Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, hosted by Concept3D. My name is Shiro, and I will be your host today. And today, we will cover another episode of our accessibility mini-series, and we will be talking about how to influence change through community. And for our guest speaker, I'm really, really excited. We have Terrell Thompson. He's currently serving as the manager of IT of the IT accessibility team at the University of Washington. Welcome to the podcast, Terrell. Thanks, Shiro. It's good to be here. Great. And I do love asking this one icebreaker for all of our guests here. What do you love about higher ed? Uh, well, you know, I've, I've always loved higher ed. Um, you know, as a student, I, I think I uh, have always wanted to, to stay in that environment. I never really wanted to graduate. <laughs> and when I did, then, you know, I pretty quickly, um, and I, I spent a few years outside of higher ed, but always wanted to get back. I've always lived in college towns, and, and I've always loved just being part of, um, you know, the the exciting things that happen, uh, particularly in a research university where they're they're doing just a lot of a lot of research. Um, you know, the landscaping, the architecture, the athletics—it all sort of contributes to this vibrant um, culture that I just really enjoy being part of. Love it! Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, Daryl, could you tell us a little bit about you know your background, what you're doing now, some of your roles and, and your goals as your department? Yeah, well, I'm I'm at the University of Washington, and I've been here for over 20 years now. Um, in the central IT organization, we have a department called Accessible Technology Services, and um, the part of that that I am most involved with is specifically working with the University of Washington and their IT, um, which encompasses everything, everything digital with user interface, um, you know, so software. Uh, websites, web applications, digital documents, videos, um, you know, anything that has a user interface has the potential to uh, either break down barriers or create barriers for certain groups of users. And so our team is responsible for trying to get the, the university to ensure that all of its technology is accessible. Um, so that obviously is a is a, uh, a large ask uh, for a small team, um, five people that I supervise, plus a few part-timers and some students. Um, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of, you know, digital accessibility assets or digital assets that need to be accessible. Um, so mostly we spend our time consulting and doing trainings and developing resources uh, and providing support. And generally just trying to build community around accessibility and you know, getting people to understand the idea that if they create something or they purchase something, um, they deploy something and make it available for users, they are responsible for ensuring that's accessible. And so, you know, we're, we're here to help and we're glad to be a resource and, you know, would, would love to help in any way that we can, but ultimately they own the accessibility of whatever technology they're responsible for. And so, so that's where you know, creating culture really is essential um, and just kind of empowering the existing infrastructure to support accessibility. Love to hear it. And I know how, how long have you been, you know, building this community 
around accessibility, this community and culture? Well, I started at the UW in 2001. So again, it's been just over, um, over 20 years. Uh, and prior to that, I was at North Carolina State University doing the same thing and, uh, and also working uh, nationally. And so a lot of us who are in this space, you know, for many institutions, it's just a one person shop, you know, um, one person who's responsible for, you know, technology accessibility and they mm -hmm. can't do it alone. And so, so the community, it can be defined in a lot of different ways. Um, but yeah, working, working nationally or even globally, uh, through organizations like Athen, the access technology, higher education network, or uh, EDUCAUSE, the uh, Association for Higher Education Technology, um, Hi Ed Web. You know, all of these organizations play a key role in sort of building community, um, you know, in, independently of particular institutions. But then, you know, within our institution, you know, community is important as well. And so, so definitely, you know, with at the UW, ever since I started, you know, on day one, it was all about you know, building community around accessibility and getting people to own and buy into uh, the need for accessibility. I love it. Thanks so much. And I know there were two key elements that you created when, you know, you, you started at UW and that's around building groups within the internal community within UW. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've accomplished there? Yeah, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot um, because it's so easy to replicate um, and that is a, a mailman list we just created. Um, and I actually don't get credit for this. It happened before I arrived, but nice. but there was somebody, the the webmaster, their their actual working title was webmaster, uh, but somebody within <laughs> the central IT organization who created websites um, had an interest in accessibility. And, and there were other people across campus who were developing websites and had an interest in accessibility. And so... So that person created a an email discussion list using Mailman, and um, and that then created you know this this initial seed for a community to develop around accessibility, and and more and more people signed on to that. Uh, I've kind of lost track of how many people are on that list today, but it, it still ex exists, and I think there are well over two hundred, um, you know, mostly web web designers, developers, people who are involved in some way, and websites at the UW. Um, and they, what started as a, as a mailman list, just people asking questions, you know, I've got this, this, uh, design that I'm working on and I'm curious what you all think of its accessibility. Can you have a look at it and providing each other with feedback, um, that evolved into, you know, meeting once a month over lunch to talk about, you know, web accessibility stuff. Um, and that, that evolved into having guest speakers and it just became kind of more, more, more formal. Uh, and what we do today within that community is have uh, still a monthly monthly meetup. Uh, we call it the monthly web accessibility and usability meetup. But it is uh, for for people to bring their uh, their challenging, uh, maybe maybe even not so challenging, uh, but yeah, you know, bring something they're working on and share it with others, and others can have some you know an opportunity to provide some feedback on the accessibility or the usability. Um, you know, and, uh, and usually, you know, there's an opportunity there for everybody there. There usually are some newcomers that don't know anything about accessibility. They're just getting started. And so, you know, it's a friendly setting to learn. Uh, but there are also people who have been doing this for years and they really have developed some pretty good accessibility skills. 
but they're working on this really challenging design and they, you know, it's not obvious. How do I make this accessible? There are no sort of standards for this particular thing that I'm creating. And, and it's an opportunity to get input from the community, you know, on some possible approaches. So, so we actually have this meeting uh, uh, tomorrow or Thursday um, this week. And, you know, I'm really excited. We got a couple of really good designs that are going to be um, you know, bring in or you know individuals that are bringing their their interesting challenges to that meeting, and so I'm always looking forward to this. One of my favorite things that we do every month. That's awesome. And, and what's the group consist of mostly? Is it web developers and uh, you know similar like web management positions, or is it kind of a, a gambit of different titles and responsibilities? It's quite a quite a variety. Um, the the people that come consistently, I think, are uh, mostly sort of in the web design, web development, uh, UX world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but but it does, you know, um, uh, there's a pretty broad mix, and and it actually attracts some outsiders too. We um, and we were open to outsiders coming. We have people come from other universities, and we have some of the vendors that we have collaborated with because uh, it's a big part of what we do is work with the vendors with whom we do business to help them be more accessible. And, and a lot of our vendors have really come to value that relationship and, and they too, you know, are active participants in, um, in this meetup. Um, so, so it's really interesting to tap into all the different perspectives. Great place to get, get, uh, you know, challenges solved or, you know, creative ideas circulating. That's fantastic. I actually just had a conversation on this very topic and mentioned your name that this is something that you've been doing, you know, over a decade or or so um, to someone who I'm hosting a webinar with about creating a roadmap to digital accessibility. And she's just starting to build this group and liaison with within her school to kind of build the same community that you've also created at UW. So that's that's amazing. Um, second point of this was, I know a little more specific, I know you were talking about in our introduction call, you created an IT specific accessibility liaison group as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and maybe how it's also different from the first dedicated group you created or that you, you have at UW? Yeah, that, that too is a key piece of our community building, um, efforts. And I, I'd say those, those two kind of go hand in hand that, you know, one, one, the first one is critical because it's so easy to set up, you know, just in a mailman list, you know, and obviously you need somebody to kind of seed the discussion maybe and get that, you know, conversation happening. Um, the other is important because not just web accessibility, um, it's more broad than that. Um, I, we're specifically interested in technology accessibility, so it is still a little bit limited in that we're just talking about, you know, technology. Mm. But... Um, but we, as a small department in a very large, very decentralized university, um, we have always needed people out there in the trenches to sort of help us bring the accessibility message to, you know, the two departments. And so, you know, over the years, we've identified um, kind of key allies, people that we've collaborated with, people that have reached out to us, um, and we formed these relationships. And so a few years ago, we decided to kind of formalize that and created the IT Accessibility Liaisons Network. So it's all those people out there in the trenches who have um, emerged as having an interest in accessibility and being willing to 
to sort of take on accessibility within their scope of influence might not mm -hmm. necessarily be part of their job description. You know, for some it is, and for some it has evolved gotcha. to where it's part of what they're doing officially. But others, it's just something they care about, something they're passionate about, and something they're willing to put you know, um, some time into learning more about and then trying to pass that on and educate the people you know, around them. So, so we've been doing this for, for many years now. Um, kind of the format at the moment is, uh, once again, we have a mailman list. So, you know, so there is that where we can communicate with them and they can communicate with each other. Uh, we also have three half-day um, trainings, workshops, meetings um, uh, per year. And so we get together for, for a half a day and, and really it's, it's a deep dive. So beyond, you know, what we might cover in a typical, you know, one hour webinar or something like that, we can really dig more deeply into a, a particular topic um, of, of interest um, that, and usually, you know, we'll, we'll reach out to them to find out what the timely topics are and, you know, get them to, to weigh in on, you know, what the agenda might be for the, for the next meeting. But and then we also tap into that network too if we're doing uh, special projects and you know wanting to evaluate accessibility products or um, testing things, uh, various mm -hmm. things that they you know they can get involved with, and so that's always our first stop if we want to engage people and and just you know tap into people who are interested in accessibility to kind of help us out with with various things. That's amazing, and so the second group is the audience like a little more broad then. And I know you mentioned the first group is mostly some sort of web-related role, but is the second one more across departments and more varying titles? Like you said, it could be not part of their job description, but also just something they're interested in. Yeah, and it, it really is a wide variety. There, there's some overlap that some of the same web designers and developers are part of the liaisons group, but mm -hmm. they're also just a, a lot, uh, far more than I could could even you know um, rattle off, but people in a lot of different roles, uh, management roles to, you know, sort of mm. grassroots, you know, technical roles, um, and all across the university. Um, lots, not, I wouldn't say every department is represented, but, but a lot of, right. a lot of academic departments, a lot of administrative units, um, the med school, yeah, there's representation, you know, it's a pretty good cross section of, of the university that's represented and it's growing all the time. Can't remember if I gave a number yet, but um, over 150. I've lost track, but somewhere 150 to 160 right now um, members uh, within that that network. That's amazing. So several hundred people it looks like between your two two dedicated groups. That's 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 a huge number. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, you know, it with all these members and so many constituents involved and being res more responsible. Have has the bar been raised like risen for the average person, average faculty, you know, in their knowledge of accessibility or digital accessibility, um, because of the help of these things? I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what the results have been like for the institution. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, does essentially, you know, when I guess paraphrasing uh, and maybe putting words in your mouth, <laughs> but does uh, have we reached that point where it's not cool to be inaccessible. Um, and, you know, this kind of a bit of peer pressure, you know, that is sort of forcing right. people to consider accessibility. And, and I wouldn't say we've reached that yet. You know, 150 employees out of several thousand is still, you know, a pretty small number. Um, 
but uh, but that is that is really sort of what we're shooting for that accessibility becomes the norm uh, rather right. than you know just just something extra that people do because they have to um, and so and that really it comes down to cultural change you know changing the culture so it is a culture that embraces accessibility at the level where every time I create something, you know, we're, we're, we always take the steps necessary to make sure that it's accessible or procure. Yeah. Same thing in procurement that whenever we're, we're going to, you know, uh, buy some software, we're always going to check, you know, do due diligence to make sure that we're not going to be introducing barriers by, you know, mm -hmm. by buying this and, and deploying it. No, I, I appreciate you putting that into plain words, right? Like, you know, how are you measuring this? Are there some kind of, Aside from just the sheer number of members you have between the two groups, are there some other kind of things you've noticed in your in your tenure there, you know, about some changes that have been made or some small wins that you can grasp on? Well, I do feel like um, we are making progress. I mean, there you know, every day we encounter somebody who still hadn't hasn't heard the message. You know, they've been at the university for as long as I have or longer. And mm -hmm. they, they still, the you know, accessibility is not on their radar yet. And so, but, but by and large, I would have to say, you know, it feels like, and I don't have objective data to measure this, um, you know, yep. but it feels like we're making progress that, you know, uh, when we talk to people about accessibility, it's not deer in the headlights anymore, um, you know, and it's not, often it's not you know, new to them, it's moving beyond new and into very specific things. Like I mentioned with the meetup group, you know, often it's it's a design pattern that is only a challenge because it hasn't been done before. Um, so the stuff that has been done before and that's common on websites, people have already figured out, you know, what's the best practice for how to code this properly um, right. so that it, you know, it is accessible and works for somebody you know, who's using assistive technology or just using a keyboard or whatever. Those design patterns are pretty well established. And so, um, so there's already quite a bit of expertise there, but you know, it's, you know, thinking creatively about new and, you know, including accessibility and innovation, you know, where I feel like we are, you know, seeing, seeing progress, the accessibility comes up um, a lot more frequently in those sorts of conversations. And, you know, going back to procurement, because that is a big part of what we do, uh, because, you know, we are, we are, you know, evolving into a university that buys first as opposed to builds first. Um, and, and therefore, accessibility needs to be, you know, included in the conversation when we're buying something. And we're more and more frequently invited to the table to, you know, to help review products or, you know, to... Um, uh, you know, just have that accessibility voice, you know, at the table when they're negotiating contracts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas before, you know, it was, we really had to be aggressive in trying to get ourselves to the table. And now we're, we're invited to the table, you know, frequently enough that, you know, we can, we can hardly keep up with the demand. So, so that's a good do, thing. Do you mind explaining what you mean by a buy first instead of build first, just for the audience? Yeah, well, that's, um, you know, in a university where you got a lot of uh, IT talent, you got programmers, developers who mm -hmm. are capable of building something, and you have a need, um, like for example, email. You know, back in the early days of the internet, um, you know, there's a need for people to send messages back and forth um, using email, and 
And in those days, the University of Washington decided, how are we going to solve this problem? We're going to build an email client. And so we built Pine. Um, and that, yeah, for many years, um, you know, was the email client that most people were using um, at the University of Washington. And it was widespread. A lot of people were using that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and we, we built our own um, course management system. So whereas today we use uh, Canvas primarily, um, and a lot of institutions use Canvas or Blackboard, um, you know, products like that. Uh, we built our own initially. Um, and so there's, there's that, that decision point, you know, do I build, do we build our own and then have a team that, you know, does design and development and support, or, um, is it, you know, can we, is it just more cost effective to buy something that's already available and, you know, right. have a smaller team that supports that, but rely on the vendor to, um, do you, you know, to your, our thing. And th thanks for explaining that a lot. It helps. Um, I think the audience understand what you meant. Um, do you think that the industry as a whole hired industry from a you know it perspective are they moving more towards that model of buying first the second part to that question is do you think the that's better for the ally or accessibility community community as a whole like to put the responsibility into those vendors hand is do you think that'll move things forward faster that's a that's a great question and i don't know that i can speak for the um, the overall higher education landscape, uh -huh. um, I do at least in uh, I think most colleges and universities. Just my my own you know observations. I do think that as a whole, it's moving towards buy rather than build. Uh -huh. uh, but there may be you know large research universities like like our own you know where um, yeah they right. they haven't started moving in that direction yet, but. Just from my perspective, that seems to be the trend. Um, mm -hmm. And um, but as far as you know, is it better for accessibility? Um, I you know I'm gonna have to say not necessarily uh, okay. because it, it's a lot easier to reach out to the in-house team if there are accessibility problems and say, hey, right. here's an accessibility problem, can you fix it? And they you know will fix it. That's been our experience you know, with the internal products that we've developed and maintained, uh, much easier to get them to change. Um, whereas with a vendor, you know, we are at the mercy of the vendor and we try to get accessibility built into contracts. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, we, we are pretty unique at the University of Washington in that we, we collaborate extensively with vendors and, mm -hmm. you know, help them to understand our perspective and point out uh, where problems lie and try to help them prioritize. And, you know, some vendors are really receptive to that. And, you know, we've got really close, you know, working relationships. Um, but we're still at the mercy of them to to prioritize those changes and, you know, right. build those changes into their product. And we can't just get it done like we could when things were built in-house. But on the other hand, you know, if it's a vendor product, They've got a lot of different customers. It's not just us. And the more all of their customers talk about accessibility, which is happening more and more, um, you right. know, I see this, you know, in my engagement, like with Educause and and other national groups, you know, more universities are are talking about accessibility and have policies in place that require accessibility, and are demanding accessibility from their vendors. And so, so I think the needle is moving a little bit, and having you know, having a vendor solution 
that is fully accessible or that, you know, where that vendor has bought into accessibility, then, then yeah, that can definitely be a plus. Um, but we're still not at that point yet. I think, you know, most of the products that we work with still have accessibility problems and we still need to work with them to help them, you know, both understand and uh, prioritize uh, accessibility uh, to the point where we're not excluding anybody, you know, who, who wants to use those products or needs to use those products. Love it. Thank you so much. I, I had a kind of question sitting in the back of my mind about your liaison group as well. I'm a marketer, right? So I work within marketing. I have been my whole life. And I'm curious how many how many marketing folks are a part of that group, right? Because they're responsible for making social posts and you know other marketing assets, maybe in collaboration with other uh, web UX people about you know making things accessible on the web and on digital. Yeah, how's their involvement in those groups? <laughs> that's that's a good question, and I don't I don't have a number off the top of my head. Yeah. But they're um, but we work we work closely with the the central marketing team, University of Marketing Communications. Um, and they're really a key, a key partner because they manage the, you know, the homepage and, and all of the, you know, themes and kind of standard widgets that they're encouraging people to use. And they develop, um, sort of core, uh, core PowerPoint templates, you know, that are on brand and, you know, um, so they, they play really a, a critical role, you know, in accessibility and, you know, are highly visible. They're sort of the front face of the university. So they're, right. they're a key partner. And there's another organization I haven't mentioned yet, which is the IT Accessibility Task Force. And that is a higher level group um, that was formed many years ago, reports directly to two VP level um, you know, mm. individuals. And, and it was originally formed um, with uh, my boss, the director of accessible technology services, and the director of uh, web services within University Marketing Communication as the co-chairs, and so so it's always been a partnership between those two groups, um, you know, technology accessibility and marketing. Um, so they, you know, from the beginning of that group, were a key partner in all this. Um, and, and, you know, the task force has, has expanded to include many, many groups who are, you know, have a, are key stakeholders in, uh, you know, making sure things are accessible, but marketing has always been, you know, kind of at the, the front seat, um, of the table and yeah, a key, key partner in, in all the work that we do. Love to hear it. Yeah. One, one thing I'm trying to drive home with this mini series and some of the content we're creating in-house here at Concept 3D is. You know, leading, leading with accessibility, not just following. And, and so marketing the, the options you have for uh, physical accommodations on campus, you know, marketing that, not just having it there, but marketing it, saying like, hey, we have these resources, you know, same for digital, right? Uh, showcasing your efforts to it, creating accessibility statements page, but going beyond that and showing how and your dedication to it. And so, and making those pages easy to find on the website, quite frankly, as well, you know, making it sure that you can find it. And so, that's one of the th key things we're trying to lead with as well. So I, I love that. It sounds like at the UW, there's a lot of efforts with marketing, which is really cool to hear. Um, kind of along the same topic here, um, marketing tools and you know different things we talked about in our intro call. One thing we talked about with tools and making sure they're accessible is uh, with maps. I was talking about maps with you and you said, you know, I, I said that they're just kind of a visual tool, so they probably accessibility isn't a, a strong 
component of it. But, you know, you said, hey, you know, wait up. It's, you know, it's not just a visual tool. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and this actually the, uh, you know, going back to your question of buy versus build, you know, the campus <laughs> campus maps is a good example of that where we, you know, we need a campus map, right? That was the decision point. Um, and we decided to build one. Um, that's what we have done historically. Um, so we always had our own, you know, um, campus map that we've maintained ourselves. And now we're at kind of a crossroads where, you know, we're revisiting that and, and now we're looking to buy. And I don't know whether we have officially signed a contract with uh, Concept 3D or not. Um, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but, uh, but that is, you know, the direction we're headed is, you know, having a commercial solution, you know, to provide our, our campus map. And, and so what is a campus map? You know, what function does it serve? You know, there was a day where if you're standing in the middle of a college campus and there's no driving, right? So it's, you know, pedestrian traffic. Um, mm -hmm. you've, you've got your map that you have unfolded, <laughs> that unwieldy thing that's blowing in the wind. It's this big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're trying to figure out where am I and how do I get to where I want to get? And, and you know, using a traditional map, some people are skilled at map reading. Um, and they, you know, they, so they could do that. They could figure out, you know, from an aerial view where they are and where they need to get. Um, not everybody has that skill. Um, some people have no eyesight at all. And so they're not going to be using that map, but even people right. that do have eyesight aren't, you know, have, you know, spatial challenges or whatever, and they can't translate what they're seeing on this piece of paper to the mm -hmm. world around them. And maybe they don't want to get anywhere. They just want to know what is this building I'm standing in front of and what is it for and what is its history? Because it's a really cool building. And, you know, I just want to know more about, you know, when was it built? And um, and so there are lots of reasons why somebody would consult a campus map and, and a digital campus map just, you know, opens up so many possibilities where um, I can very easily, you know, get information about that building in front of me. Um, and it's not a visual thing necessarily. It's all the facts about that building and which departments are located within that building. Um, and, and I can get directions, you know, and applications like, like Google Maps, you know, have really sort of revolutionized this where I'm a pedestrian. I want to get from where I am to this other building, um, you know, across, across campus what's the best route for me to take to get there. And that doesn't have to be presented visually with a line that draws mm -hmm. on this this map, you know, how to get there, but it can be step by step. Um, and again, Google, you know, and other, you know, mapping applications provide that kind of thing. Um, so, so, you know, that the applications are broad, you know, for a lot of different groups of users, you know, who just need to know something about their environment. And so presenting that in a visual way for people that, you know, benefit from that is great, but also presenting it, you know, using, you know, lists and, and headings and, you know, just kind of standard HTML makes a lot of sense too. And I would also add to that wayfinding um, application that people have different needs in terms of how they're going to get from point A to point B. So, right. you know, I'm a wheelchair user. I want to get from you know building A to building B, and I can only travel on accessible paths. I can't use stairs, um, 
and and I want to go from the accessible exit of building A to the accessible entrance of building B, you know. And so a mapping solution that takes all of that into consideration, you know, really uh, just opens opens up the you know the universe of you know map usage to a full spectrum of users. I love that, and you know, thanks for bringing that up because I it's something I wasn't thinking of initially before, right? Especially that what you said about just overall usage, right? That the ease of use there's is an accessible element too that I wasn't thinking of. And when you said that literally three minutes ago, I was thinking of myself like at I don't know maybe like an amusement park or a huge park, right? And you see the the map kiosks, and there's maybe like a a little you are here sign, right? Which helps identify your location. But that little thing may be so hard to find sometimes. And I've I've spent time looking for that at, you know, various locations. And it'd be it's so cool to like be able to know where you are, how you're spatially connected to things in your environment. So I love that you pointed that out. It's just it's kind of like it reminded me of the alt text in the caption conversation, right? It's like you don't need to be deaf to he captions right it makes understanding of the information easier for everyone and that's why i think there's a statistic that gen z like more 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 uh, gen z folks use captions now than uh, previously because it's not labeled as just an accessibility tool anymore right? it's a it's a tool to make understanding easier mm-hmm. and so i thought that kind of like made me connect the dots between maps and get closed captioning i don't know why but <laughs> i appreciate yeah. that you pointed that out well, I think the the connection is universal design. We talk a, a lot about and right. and I'll, you know it's maybe a little bit cliche, but things like curb cuts, you know, that were originally designed, you know, for people who are using wheelchairs, you know, to get up onto the sidewalk. But now, you know, anybody who's who has a load, you know, pushing a cart, pulling a cart, a baby stroller, you know, riding a, skate, a skateboard for better or worse, <laughs> be, you know, maybe using those, uh, those ramps, uh, those curb cuts. And then automatic right. door openers is another great example where, you know, um, it, I often find myself, you know, in a position I've got my hands full and I can't grab the door handle, you know, just being able to bump that you know, button with an elbow and have the door open. It was designed for accessibility, but it benefits everybody. And I think, right. you know, there are just so many examples of that. And, you know, the examples in the digital space are, you know, growing by leaps and bounds. And I think a campus map certainly would fall into that, that, you know, the more accessibility features you build into your product, the more people are going to use those features, not just people with disabilities, but, you know, everybody's going to find some usefulness for, for those features. I love that. I love that you said that. I use one of those buttons every time to the automatic door openers to get my bike inside my office building. Cause otherwise without it, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. no, it helps me out. Appreciate that. And I was wondering, so, you know, where can our audience connect with you to learn more about what you're doing? I know you have a ton of speaking engagements all throughout the year and you're very involved with a lot of communities. So love to know where our audience can connect with you and maybe ask some questions if they'd like. Yeah, well, the the best place to learn about what we're what we're up to as a whole is our accessible technology website, which is uw.edu/accesstech, a c c e s s t e c h, um, and um, for me personally, if you wanted to reach out, um, then yeah, my email is uh, my initials t f t 
tango foxtrot tango at uw.edu and so you know if people have questions about um it accessibility in a university then you know i'm happy to to chat amazing and i know you mentioned some groups earlier that are have been instrumental in you know learning more and building community outside of just your institution do you mind sharing those again i know hyad web is one you mentioned which i love as well yeah, HiEd Web is great for um, web web designers, developers, anybody who does web web work um, in higher education. Uh, Educause is more broad; it's IT in higher education. Um, but there's there's an accessibility IT accessibility community group within Educause um, that I am active with, and they're you know they're you know people. People in higher education in IT roles um, who are you know looking at uh, doing what they do in an accessible way, um, and then uh, the other was Athen, the Access Technology Higher Education Network, which is uh, people in roles like myself, primarily people who are uh, charged with accessibility in some fashion, technology accessibility within a higher education landscape. So the, the website for Athen is Athen Pro. Dot org. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daryl. That's It's been an awesome conversation. It's so glad to have you on. And thanks for our audience for joining and tuning in as well. Thanks so much. Thank you.